and welcome back to Toddler Purgatory. I am one of your hosts, Blair, and I'm the other host, Lloyd, aka Molly. Some people call me Lloyd. That's my last I'm, name. I love that. It's very gangster. It is kind of gay. Lloyd, all null and void. That's from Better Off Dead? No. I don't remember. I'm going to look it up and I'll say it at the end of the podcast. Okay. Hi, everybody. To our new listeners, thank you for being here. To returning listeners, what's up? Today, we are talking about little kid rules. Now, these are not rules that we have for them, which of course we do because structure, routine, and consistency. But these are the rules that they have set for us. (laughs) Little, tiny dictators. And you know, the funny thing is, this is very common, of course. Little kids seek control. They seek, you know, they see us being in charge and they'd like a piece of that action. Side note, Molly and I are about to be mothers of (gasps) five-year-olds. Yes, we are. It's birthday week for us. Our sons are both turning five this week. And also, I'd like to point out that Blair's birthday is on the same day as her son's. Yeah? Yep. I mean, uh, took it, snatched it. Well, I'm sure we're going to have some birthday rules come up. This week as well, Blair. Oh, As far as the party or something. I'm sure that the tiny dictators are going to let us know exactly how things should go. This morning, my son said, oh, about his birthday. Oh, I can't wait to get gum for my birthday. (laughs) And I was like, what are you talking about? Are you getting gum for your birthday? He goes, yeah. (laughs) And I thought to myself, did he talk to my husband, you know, his dad about this? And he's like, yeah, it's going to be minty. No, it is going to be sour. And then (laughs) made up a song about the gum that he's getting for his birthday that we've never discussed. Yeah. You know why? Because one of their rules is that they manifest everything. You're not involved in Mm -hmm. it at all. They don't tell you. My son does the same thing. Mom, thanks so much for getting me the basketball for my birthday. That was so nice of you. Oh, oh, was it on the list? (laughs) Did we had a discussion about this? Yeah. I mean, we could all take a cue from that, though, right? Putting stuff out in the universe <laughs> to see if it comes to fruition. <laughs> or just telling the universe that it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. We put a question on the What Fresh Hell Facebook groups asking our listeners and the What Fresh Hell listeners to tell us about what their kids' rules are that their kids have made for, you know, the parents, the family, life in general. But we want to dip into just for a moment why, like, What is happening? Why do kids have their own rules? And I found this great thing, Blair. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but I read a blog of a woman named Claire Lerner, who's a child development specialist, and she her website is called Lerner Child Development. But one thing I really love that she wrote is that it's often based really on the kid's temperament. She compares the kids who are the go with the flow kids. They're more adaptable by nature. They're naturally more flexible. It's just in their DNA. These are the dandelions. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So they kind of, you know, they move in the breeze, right? Mm-hmm. And then the kids, she says, children who are wired to be more sensitive, sometimes thought of as orchids, tend to be more inflexible. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. They often have intense responses to seemingly minor stressors, mm. such as throwing a fit when a parent turns off the light when the child wanted to do it, mm-hmm. even though she hadn't voiced this, or hurling a cereal bowl across the room <laughs> because dad put the Cheerios in the blue bowl, not in his favorite red bowl. Mm-hmm. They get overwhelmed more easily than even keeled kids because their strong emotions are hard to manage. Yes, Claire. yes. I have one of each in my household. Well watered, but man, oh man, <laughs> that orchid. Yeah. Your orchid, I'm guessing, is your two-year-old daughter. That would be the one. Yes. (laughs) So, like, how many times, Blair, have you and I said, 
it's not that big a deal to our kids due to their response, their emotional response to something that two hours semi-rational <laughs> parental eyes doesn't seem like that big a deal. So many times. Yeah. And has it helped? Nope. Sure hasn't. <laughs> they don't care. They don't care. All they know is that they need some control. They have, as Claire Lerner says, they come up with fixed ideas about how things should be to make daily life more manageable. And when these things get disrupted, these seemingly irrational demands get disrupted, they, you know, they melt Fun for us. So that's why they are setting up these rules. Highly sensitive kids or kids with low sensory thresholds, they're doing it to make daily life more manageable. So let's hear some of these rules. Now, some of these we'll let you know are from mine and Blair's life. So I got one. My son, he's got two hard rules. One, I found out... By he loves pizza. A lot of kids love pizza, but he refuses to eat the crust. And when I tell him to eat the crust or ask him what's wrong with the crust, he says, Mom, <laughs> crusts aren't part of the pizza. You don't eat that part. They're not part of the pizza. They're not part of the pizza. They're just like the handle. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, when I think of it that way, he might not be wrong. <laughs> it, I mean, it makes sense. That rule kind of sort of makes sense. Oh, it makes sense. Well, it's so funny, Blair, that you're kicking it off with a pizza rule because we actually have, that was my number one thing in reading the responses from the listeners was that under food rules was pizza. Pizza has so many rules in so many households. Yeah, weird. For instance, one of our listeners, Kimberly, her kid or kids says, no sauce on pizza. Mm. <laughs> they were just born loving white pizza. <laughs> I mean, at least they know what they like. And then Melinda says pizza must always be cut up because it is not a finger food. Like you should not be picking it up. I assume she means like oh. must always be cut up and eaten with a fork because it's not a finger food. Duh. Also, her kid says that soup must be eaten with a fork. So they have some conversations coming in the future. Yeah, they do. And I bet they spend about liquids. I bet they spend a lot of time at the dinner table. <laughs> yes. They start dinner at 12. Yeah. And also, I'm sure Melinda is like, we're only having chowder and stews in this house because that <laughs> cream of tomato soup takes three and a half hours to eat with a fork. Uh-uh. We not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer says that my daughter used to only drink from blippy sippies. <laughs> I love that. That's very good. That's very good. But take and toss a blue cup with an orange lid or an orange cup with a blue lid because those are Blippi's favorite colors. She said, I did it one day because I didn't have a matching cup and a lid, which had been her rule <laughs> up until then. And I was trying to get by with a cheat. Little did I know she was not into it. <laughs> Little did I know she would make it into a new rule. Oh, 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 yeah. Little did I know she'd make it into a new rule. So isn't that the biggest rule of the rules is that the rules are always changing? <laughs> Always changing. You don't, and they can change whenever I feel like changing them, Mom. Yes. And how dare you break this rule that you didn't know either existed or was being changed in the moment. Or spending all that money at Target for no reason because I'm going to change the rules as soon as you get home yep. with your newly purchased things for my old rules. Yep. You're welcome. <laughs> well, speaking of things that we eat or drink and those kinds of rules, let me tell you something. If pizza was the number one reason for rules for food... Water, ice water is the number <laughs> one rule for drinks. Oh my gosh, you guys, there were so many responses and I am falling into this category of icy water. It has to be ice water. I used to be fine with like room temp 
until after pregnancy. And now I'm like, is that f- filled with ice 90%? Yeah. It's got to be cold. That's true. When I was pregnant and then after I had my son as well, I think it's called a Bubba keg. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of that in my life, but I want one. Bubba keg. Yeah. And it's like a monster cup <laughs> that keeps your drink so cold, but yet I, it was definitely minimum 70% ice. And I carried it around with a scowl on my face because it was like August, too. I was like, yeah, everybody out of the way. But uh, yeah, that Bubba cake had to be ice cold. You're absolutely right. Somebody else wrote that too. One of the listeners wrote that on the Facebook page. She said that she identifies with children who require ice water because when she was pregnant, she required her ice water to be 33 degrees. <laughs> like it had to be <laughs> almost ice. I was like, yes. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Cassandra was one of our listeners who said her kids' water must be ice cold. Also, Kiria says... All water must be super duper, this is in quotes, super duper ice water. So I assume that's what her kid is saying. It has to be super duper ice water, which means it's very cold with lots of ice. If the ice melts, it's not super duper anymore, mom. Uh, Kira, I'm going to have to agree with you. You mean with your kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's no longer super duper. I mean, and I no longer want to ingest it to cool my heated insides. Yeah. Yeah, my son seems to like, because he has a little snack before bed, which I've mentioned on the pod before, because he's had some hypoglycemia, so he has to have a snack like right before bed. And he seems to like, if that water is from the day before, he has like a camelback, like a metal camelback, I think, or one of those. Mm -hmm. And if it's from the night before, he'll take a sip and his face looks like somebody died. (laughs) He is like awestruck. He turns white. (laughs) Mama. This is not cold. And I was like, oh, right away, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, yes, I, yes, I, yes, <laughs> yes, I, and I go down and give it a good old rinse and then give him some ice water in it. And then he takes a sip and like his color comes back, comes back to the living, you know, it's almost like it's part of his routine now. It's almost part of his bedtime routine now that it has to be icy. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think that's the whole rules thing, too, is like since I can't necessarily make this routine and I kind of sort of don't get how life works, I'm going to throw in some really peculiar, dumb things that make no sense. Not even to me. Yeah, but. Is going to do something for me. Yeah, it's almost like, what was the rock band when they did concerts and they went to different places? And one of the rules on their rider at the bottom of their rider, maybe it was Rolling Stones, was no brown M&Ms. They asked for M&Ms at the beginning of the rider. And then at the end of the rider, they said no brown M&Ms. And they got this sort of flack for it because people were like, divas, what divas? And they said, no, it's just so that people will read the rider. Read the rider. <gasps> what if our kids are <laughs> Are testing us. Are testing us. <gasps> it's all it's a all test. test. They're the Rolling Stones of our life testing us. <laughs> Literally. Oh the my Rolling god. Rolling Stones of our life. <laughs> well, also another big rule that came up, and actually Blair, you can probably speak to this. I have an only child, but this in sibling rules, mm. the biggest thing that stood out to me was that there is an order. And it's not just a birth order, although that often is it too. The older child says there's an order, but there has to be a way of doing things. And one, Lisa, one of our listeners says, my girls who are three years old and five years old have decided that one of them is Elsa and one is Anna. When we listen to the Frozen soundtrack daily, 
she says. <laughs> they have decided they're only allowed to sing their character songs, the ones belonging to their chosen character. They follow this rule religiously, even when the other sister isn't present. And I tell them it's okay. <laughs> Which I love because to me, that's like a respect. That's like respect. <laughs> like clearly you see Anna is not here. Come on. Come on, Ma. Let's not do that to ourselves, okay? <laughs> it's so sweet. But then there's also like a birth order kind of thing, which Megan, one of our listeners, says, My oldest daughter, four, makes my youngest daughter, two, go first in everything she doesn't want to do. So she's first to get cleaned in the tub, first to put her shoes on, first to go outside, first to go down the slide. She is her test dummy. <laughs> That's sort of how it operates in our household. But oh, really? My son has put it into a very sweet way where he says, ladies first. So he makes his sister do everything first. But he says, no, 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 mommy, ladies first. Oh, what a good excuse. But it's only for things that he doesn't want to do. He's like, oh, 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 ladies first. And then I can't knock it because I'm like, oh, it's so gentlemanly. Oh, dang. Dang, Navid. You got me again, kid. He's so clever. We'll be back with more clever sibling rules and other kinds of rules after this. Stick around. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Okay, we're back on toddler purgatory with rules that kids make up that are totes bananas. We were talking about sibling rules, and I wanted to say this one from Desiree, which I really think puts it very succinctly. She's one of our listeners, and she says, her oldest says, only I can be first. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Like, they came out first, and that's where they're going to stay. They're in charge, man. me. Sorry. Plebeians to the back. Yeah, the plebeians and test dummies to the back. (laughs) I love that. And I have to tell you something. This does not change. I know that this uh, podcast is for the under six set, but Margaret, who's the host and our producer here, she's the host of What Fresh Hell. 
She is a 12-year-old who must be the last to close the minivan door. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It's true. My sister, who I adore, and I are both in our mid to late 40s, something like that. And <laughs> we were fighting just tiny but intense fights into our 30s about where we sat when we went home to my parents' house. Because I told her it wasn't even where we were sitting in that moment. I simply wanted to sit in the seat that I sat in my entire childhood, which she insisted was the seat she sat in her entire childhood. I told her that's impossible. I would have been on your lap for every meal. (laughs) But she distinctly remembers sitting in the seat that I distinctly remember sitting in. And You know, we haven't done it lately, but I'm sure if we had the opportunity, we would continue to say, no, that was my seat. And so I absolutely feel Margaret's 12-year-old wanting to be the last person to close that minivan door. I'll tell you what, some control in the life of a child. (laughs) (laughs) It becomes very important, doesn't it? It becomes very important. Just so you know, folks, it's going to last until they're 30. For sure. (laughs) If not longer. If not longer. Those sibling things. I mean, it'll be interesting, Blair, to see your two kids grow up and just see how many of those sibling relationship things stick and how many of them they grow out of. I mean, good thing they have, you know, we have these phones now that take pictures at any point in time. I'll just be like, take a picture where you're sitting because we're not having this discussion in 25 years. (laughs) I mean, I got to say that's a pretty good idea. If I had visual evidence, (laughs) I actually do think I may have even at some point in my teens or 20s combed through a photo album to see if there was one of me in front of because I knew when I was a kid there was a bay window there now there's French doors onto my parents porch or a front deck and I was like I know I remember a picture of me in front of those bay windows like (laughs) I know where I was sitting I know where I was sitting I must have visual evidence I watch too many murder documentaries I'm like let me into the files (laughs) and they're like they were ruined in a fire I'm like I don't believe you it's a cover-up Here's another one I loved from the Facebook page. A listener named Hannah. There's no H on the end of that, Hannah, so you know who you are. (laughs) She says, my four-year-old has a song he's made up about making popcorn. We are only allowed to sing this song once a day and only while the popcorn is popping. (laughs) Not while eating it. Not while the butter is melting. Only when it is popping, like the literal popping noises are still going on. (laughs) You do it. Hannah says there is hell to pay if we sing it at the wrong time. <laughs> oh, that is true. Like, don't even hum it. Don't catch yourself off guard. Just like one day, like washing dishes, humming the popcorn song. Christina on the what Fresh Hell Facebook page. This one knocked me out. She's talking about her son and wearing a s- certain clothes to bed. And she says, uh, my kid says, no wear jamas. I wear clothes to bed. I need to look handsome. <laughs> My two and a half year old who refuses to wear any of the 4,959 pairs of PJs in his drawer and instead insists on jeans and a polo shirt. (laughs) Okay, that's fresh, though. I mean, he looks good. That is fresh. And listen, so fresh and so clean, clean. You're ready for the day as soon as you wake up. Oh, yeah. You can just go right to that staff meeting. (laughs) He's a boss, baby. (laughs) He's a boss, baby. But business cash, baby. That is so funny. Also, how comfortable can it be to be sleeping in jeans? Tutu. Tutu. Got to give that kid kudos. And my kid, he, when it comes to, he's like obsessed right now with playing baseball. And sometimes we'll just like throw the ball around the house. Yes, I do. I do it. And so he'll be like, mom, let's throw the ball around. I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, wait, I got to get my jersey on. And he has this Yankees jersey that he puts on, buttons all the way to the top. 
he has to wear the jersey in order to play ball. And when he goes outside, I'm like, are you going to play ball? Are you going to take your bat, your glove? He's like, yes. And my jersey. Do you know where it is? Is it clean? Is it in the laundry? I'll get it out. It's fine. It's all right. It's dirty. I just need it. I'll be honest. That doesn't change either. <laughs> that does not change. That's not going to change. <laughs> I don't remember seeing my husband watch a hockey game without a hockey jersey on. <laughs> that for sure has like hot sauce on it from two seasons ago from Madison Square Garden. For sure. It's forever. It's forever. Welcome to the rest of your life, Blair. <laughs> it's so good. And it's so funny. Like to me, like the evidence of hot sauce from two seasons ago would probably be enough of a deterrent. My husband's like, eh, couldn't get it out. But I know the subtext is. You never tried. You hung it in the closet. You didn't use it last year because of the pandemic. And now you just put it on willy nilly. Put that stanky shirt on. Just put that stanky jersey on. Put that stanky shirt on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's so funny. Speaking of doing things that, uh, I don't know, might be embarrassing to other people, but not to you. Danielle, one of our listeners, says that her kids rule is no singing or movie quotes in public. It's, quote, humiliating. (laughs) Sorry, kid. Danielle. Sorry, kid. I know. You'd be fresh out of luck if you lived in this household. If I can't willy-nilly quote the princess bride in public places, who am I anymore? My identity is lost. You know what that is? Inconceivable. (laughs) Oh, Danielle. I'm so on your side on this one. You've got to sing and do movie quotes in public. Come on. You have to. I don't know. Sometimes my kids can, but I can't. Well, yeah, they have their own rules for themselves, of course. Yeah, it's like, what? Oh, 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 so you can break out into Vivo right now, but I can't. (laughs) P.S. Vivo is so good. Netflix, look it up. It's so good. We watched it the other day. Did I tell you that? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah. Right. My husband was texting Blair during the whole movie. (laughs) He was like, I'm in tears. I was like, I know, right? We openly wept through 78% of that film. So good. Well done, Lin-Manuel. Well done. He knows what's up. What a big heart. All right. So, listen. I think we all know that the biggest rules that our kids set up are, in fact, what you just said, which is what we're allowed to do versus what they are allowed to do. Also, who's going to do the thing and when, right? Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, Diana, one of our listeners, says, our three-year-old has tons of rules about only mommy or only daddy (laughs) can hand me the toothbrush, buckle me into the car seat, pour my milk, help me get dressed, etc. Except whether it's mommy or daddy changes by the day slash minute, as we talked about earlier, these rules will change, and is usually directed toward the parent who is not currently doing the thing. Oh, that is Diana. Yes. Solidarity. Solidarity. I see you, girl. I see. Yes, it is so true. I am in the driver's seat putting my coffee in the cup holder, starting up the old car and my husband's back there patiently waiting to strap my son into his car seat. And that's when my son, who has been lollygagging, which he hates that word, but I love it, <laughs> lollygagging the whole time, finally gets his butt in the seat and looks up to see it's my husband. Loses it. No! Loses it. I was like, really? You had the last minute and a half that you were futzing dutzing around to see that mom is in the front seat. And then he looks up and is shocked and appalled that it's the other parent, whoever that other parent is. Allison says that her 17-month-old, yes, even 17-month-olds have rules. She says that my husband recorded himself reading books to my daughter. So sweet. We affectionately refer to these recordings as robot daddy. Oh, I bet that's when daddy's on trips or something. That's so sweet. That's such a good idea. 
Unfortunately, now there's some books that can only be read by Robot Daddy. If I try to read them or if he tries to read or if he tries to read them in his like real daddy voice, actual daddy, <laughs> then she loses it. It's an absolute meltdown in the uh, daddy robot household. So poor real daddy goes into her room to read her a book. <laughs> she melts down. He then has to take his phone out and play the recording of his voice reading the book that he's holding. None of it makes sense. What is this world that we live in with these children? None of it makes <laughs> sense. None of it makes sense. And it's definitely their world, and we are just living in it. Like, barely living in it, because the rules change so much. And I've mentioned this before, but she's still on it. My two-year-old, she doesn't refer to her pants as pants. They're bad guys. That's what they're called. But why, though? Why and how? I, I still have no clue as to why or how they were named bad guys. And no matter what, I put, like, it's an overall term, right? So she has, like, six different pairs of pants or bad guys. They're all bad guys. She literally, her pants are like reservoir dogs. <laughs> exactly. They're all bad guys. And if I put the pink bad guys on, it's not the pink bad guys. She wants the other bad guys. But then I have to like figure out what bad guys she needs. The fact that you call them the pink jeans and not the Mr. Pink jeans was a real miss, Blair. <laughs> guys, I have not seen reservoir dogs in 20, maybe 15 years. That's a solid, that's a solid movie. I feel like it's so funny thinking about my son's clothes in the morning. So, again, he's almost five. It's the thing about kid rules to me is not only that they change on a breeze, but also that, like, we're the dumb ones for thinking it was the old way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, mama, no. And for my son, it's more like one day he'll be like, he'll come into the room in the morning and be dressed and his hair's done and... He's like ready to rock the day. And then the next day he'll lay on the floor <laughs> and he's so floppy. He's so floppy. He's, he weighs 42 pounds. But on those days he weighs 142 pounds. I don't know how he does. He makes himself dead weight and he will not get dressed. He says, I can't. I can't, mama. I can't. I can't. And it's so dramatic. And I'm like, but yesterday... You wore the vest from the only little kid suit I've ever gotten for him from Marshall's <laughs> for a wedding. He wore like a suit vest over a jacket, like a Nike track jacket. <laughs> and then under that was a tank top because he loves tank top. I mean, he's styling. He's styling. The kid's styling. He like put layers upon layers yesterday, like Joey from Friends when he wore all of Chandler's clothes. He just like had every article of clothing on, looked so super fly, went to school like that. And then the next day has no idea what I'm talking about when I say <laughs> it's time for you to get dressed. And he looks at me and breaks down as if I am the villain. How am I the villain in this? Yeah, it's wild because their rules are everything and time means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. They don't care they don't give a flying fart mm -mm. the fact that they need to go to daycare <laughs> <laughs> no get thee to daycare <laughs> and now we're going to take a little break because when we come back our final sort of category for these little kid rules are the most uh how do we say specific ones for a little person in their life who generally goes by the name a mommy mom so many rules for mom <laughs> so many rules we'll be right back Feel like you're the martyr in your family? 
You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Welcome back. We're talking about kid rules. And now we're touching upon those kid rules that they have for us moms that we have to follow in and out daily. And if we mess it up, we're in big, big trouble. Big trouble. You know, very often moms are, you know, the touchstone for kids, kids who have moms. And sometimes, (laughs) what is that phrase? How the mighty have fallen. (laughs) And the thing that takes us down in their eyes is so small. It is the pee under the 15 mattresses, right? I think the best example of this is Becky, one of our listeners says, the toilet paper must rip straight across. If it does not, mommy has failed and needs to do it again. And then the statue of you that you had erected of yourself, they pulled down because you ripped that toilet paper. Torn down. It's made out of styrofoam. That <laughs> Yes, exactly. That monument. That came in your Amazon packages. And then Anne, another listener, her kid's rule is, mommies don't cry. Oof. Boof. Come on. That's a hard one. This mommy cries a lot. <laughs> Quit your crying, mom. Yeah, exactly. The other day, I started crying at the dinner table about something. I don't know if you guys follow. What's the blonde? Busy Phillips. Mm. She always talks about crying at dinner. And for some reason, it is a trigger like <laughs> Dinner is like you've sat down, you're looking people in the face. We don't have tech at the table and everything just comes out, you know, and I cried suddenly about something. And my son, who, of course, had decided that at dinner, his chair needed to be touching mine. There's a rule. So he brought his chair all the way around, touched it on mine. I'm like, okay. So I started crying about something I can't remember that I felt, you know, was out of my control. I was feeling helpless about. He reached over and so calmly, he looked into my eyes with the eyes of a serial killer. (laughs) And he grabbed my upper arm in a big, not a tiny pinch, not like an ouch pinch, but he grabbed like two or three inches of flesh, which I have an abundant amount of. So go ahead, kid. (laughs) He grabbed it and he started squeezing with a vice-like grip while his eyes were sort of, his lids were sort of at half-mast for some reason. And he just stared into my eyes and squeezed my arm until it started to hurt. And I was like, ow! And he said, wait, what is it? I go, ow, kiddo, stop it. And he said, no crying. And I was like, oh my gosh. I think Anne, our listener, was right. Apparently, mommies don't cry. That's a rule. Yeah, okay, thanks. Thanks Thanks so much. Thanks, Anne. Thanks, Anne. (laughs) 
Megan says that whenever she pushes a mini cart, she's the mom and she will actually call me kid in the store. <laughs> so her child calls her the kid in the store. That is so funny. We love those little carts at the grocery store that say customer in training on the flag. Oh my gosh. Those are so cute. They're so cute, but they are a menace to society. <laughs> oh, they are indeed. When my son was like two and a half, I was like, someone's going down today. <laughs> like some sweet granny is, you know, buying strawberries for a shortcake she's making for her 18 grandkids. And my son is just going to take her out at the knees with that thing. Not even the knees. Those things are so low to the ground. Just take them by them ankles, granny. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. And I do love that Megan's child calls her the kid in the store <laughs> because that's what we talked about at the beginning is these kids are just looking for a little bit of control a little bit life feels bananas you know especially to kids who are highly emotional highly sensitive and they're just seeking some order in their life and dang on it they're gonna get it they are and they're gonna make sure that you get it too yeah by hook or by crook <laughs> And then our listener, Lynn, which is my mom's name. Shout out, Lynn Lloyd. Yeah, Lynn. She says that her child says, queens are evil and princess are good. So mommy can't be a queen. She's a princess. Okay. That's a sweet one. All right. We can live by that rule, kid. Yeah. We can live by that. Okay. All right. I'll be a princess. I'm a princess. I don't have to be a queen. <laughs> Because ultimately, that's the thing is that our kids are setting up these rules to give themselves to feel more together, to feel more in control, to feel like they have, you know, some sense of control in their own life. But ultimately, you know, they love us so much. I did ask my son this morning if he had any life rules. And for this, I didn't say it was for the podcast, but I said, do you have any rules like if that you follow in life or you think other people should follow? And he just said, no dying. Oof. And I was like... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you quietly retired to the bathroom and yep. began to weep. Nope. <laughs> I just sat down at the dining table and he grabbed my arm and looked in my eyes like a serial killer and said, oh. no crying. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the upshot of our show today was no crying, no dying. <laughs> Don't you do it. That's what we've learned today. <laughs> But here's the thing that we want to touch on is that, gosh, you know, our kids love us and we love them. We want to do good by them. So going back to Claire Lerner's blog, which I really liked, I thought she had a really a lot of really good points. And she said, how do you teach flexibility? And there's some things that we can do. Some of these you guys may already know, and some of them might be a good reminder. And these, you know, some of these were new to me. So it's just all about seeing your child as a whole person, right? So the first one is validate your child's emotions and experience. Remember, feelings are never the problem. It's what kids do with their feelings that can become problematic. So we're teaching them, we're giving them the tools, we're acknowledging the emotion behind what's happening when they're inflexible about something and have a, a poor reaction to when things don't go their way. We're acknowledging the emotion that's driving their behavior, the better able they are to learn to manage it in effective ways. So her example was, you are upset because you thought grandma was going to pick you up. I totally get that. You don't like it when something different happens from what you expected. So you're essentially just reflecting back to them what you're seeing them react to and the emotions behind them. So acknowledging that, I think, is going to go a long way. And you could also say, like, I validate your emotion, but also your rule makes no sense. And I'm buckling you in because we got to go. It's so funny that you say that 
Because then I think it is a combination of what you're saying. So you can acknowledge the emotion behind the behavior because that's the point, right? Like that's what why they're doing what they're doing. Then she also says set the limit, which is what you're talking about. Set the limit calmly and lovingly. I got this. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. I got to do it lovingly and calmly. All right. Fine. We're running 25 minutes late to school, but okay, I'll be calm and I'll love it. But in their example to this one about grandma not picking the kid up and so the parent is picking the kid up. So then you kind of acknowledge what's happening. But grandma went to the doctor and the appointment took longer than expected. So I am here to get you. Now, this is where you and I, Blair, we're feisty individuals. So she's, this is a good reminder for us, as calmly as you can move along to show your child that you are not going to engage in a long back and forth about this or react to his protestations, as that only reinforces the inflexibility. Ignore his attempts to draw you into a struggle, but don't ignore him. Even as he's kicking and screaming, as you buckle him into the car seat, put tell a funny story, put on music he likes, talk about what you're going to do later. So you don't have to acknowledge the banana's behavior. You've already acknowledged his emotions that are behind it, and now move on so that he knows you're not going to let him luxuriate in these feelings. And I got to tell you something, I struggle with that. Because I want to talk about it. (laughs) I don't even talk about it. My line is, what you're not going to do is fill in the blank. Yeah. If I put you in this car seat and you start kicking and screaming like a rabid baboon, what you're not going to do is have that foot make contact with my body because then we're going to have real big issues. How does that go? Like, does he listen pretty well? He seems like a good listener. But when they're in it, I mean, sometimes, but I got to say. It's sometimes not calm and it's sometimes not very lovely. (laughs) Best. (laughs) What you're not going to do is. Maybe you could turn that. Actually, that's an interesting thing. (laughs) Rather than saying what he's not going to do, which might be hard for him to visualize what he is going to do. What you are going to do is keep your foot down and I don't know. I can't even think of anything else. I don't know. (laughs) I also think you got to do what works. I also think that all parents are human beings and that's another thing is that sometimes I can't engage positively or negatively, I got to get him in that car seat, holding his legs down, and then close that door, and he's screaming bloody murder in the back seat, and I got to get in the car, and I got to drive away. Like, we need to go. And so... We have got to go. So do the best that you can to reinforce the positive, that you will make positive connections with him, and not let him, what's the word, indulge in negative behaviors. That's what you're not going to do. You're not going to indulge right now, sir. Yeah. (laughs) See, he's going to be like, Mama, what indulge? So she has a couple of other things, but another one that I love she suggests is model flexibility. So this is something that you and I, I think, have talked about in the pod in the past, which is like saying stuff out loud that we normally wouldn't say because as adults, we've moved past this era of inflexibility as children, although obviously we have inflexibility in our lives now, too. (laughs) But you kind of say it. You talk it through to model flexibility. So her example is, hmm, I can't find my favorite hat. I guess I'll have to be flexible in there that wear this one instead. Or, oh, this restaurant isn't open. Eh, I guess we'll have to be flexible and choose a different place to eat. So if that's your word, whatever your word is, if flexible is your word, you're like, I'm not going to do that. No, it's not even that I definitely can do that and I probably should. But just how I am, it's just not going to come out nice. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. I can't seem to find the remote control. I guess your father didn't put it back where it was supposed to go and it's somewhere in these couch cushions and I got to dig up under it after I've calmly poured myself a glass of wine and I just want to chill out right now. Hmm. Huh. Weird. Maybe I should just look behind this pillow. Maybe I should be flexible about that, but I'm not going to be. 
one of our other suggestions is modeling flexibility. And then, of course, the last thing, which I've loved, which she said, which is, you know, something we're all trying to do is like, you know, acknowledge and give a lot of positive feedback when they are being flexible. Right. I like to say lay it on thick. (laughs) Lay it on thick. Lay it on thick and be like, you know, have a freaking party when they are flexible. And then when they're inflexible, don't acknowledge their negative behaviors. Right. Focus on moving forward from that, which I think is great. That makes sense. Yeah, I love that. (sighs) Oh, and like this one, here's an example. I love her little examples that she gives. And her example for that was, you wanted to turn on the water for the bath, but mommy had already done it. You were disappointed, but you were able to calm yourself and have a fun tub time. And then you got to be the one who turned the water off. You flexible is awesome. And obviously this is like children's book versions. Like they're so idyllic. But I do believe that there is something in there like that I could definitely lean into more in my life, which I'm going to do. For sure. I will say that a few days ago, I can't reason with a two-year-old. The two-year-old right now is like whatever phase she's in right now. It's at that point where I can't calmly talk to her. Yeah. We just don't calmly talk to each other. So Ah, yes, yes. Yeah. But my four-year-old, soon to be five-year-old, he was going. You know, like when they have those outer body tantrums? Yeah. Where you're like, okay, this is what I definitely didn't sign up for. Is there a store where I can return you? Because <laughs> this is not for me. Just go outside and like send up the stork signal, like a bat <laughs> signal. <laughs> Come back. Come back. Bring a bigger blanket. Because <laughs> he got big. He got real big. He's heavy. (laughs) Yeah, there are those moments when they're in a whole nother zone. They're in a whole nother zone. Yeah. And so I was like, I got real angry. I got angry. And it was to the point where I just had to like turn away. And Ooh, take a moment. Yeah, yeah. But he came back. Yeah. But he came back and I I got down on his level and I looked him in his face and I was like, I get it. I get that you had to do that because you had no other way that all the feels that you were feeling didn't make any sense. And it just had to come out the way they did. I get that. I was like, but now that you feel so much better, you see, and I feel better too. Cause I took my time and he was like, yeah, mom. He's like, he goes, sometimes you just got to scream. I was like, yeah, you do buddy. Nice. Yeah, you do. <laughs> just don't do it like that again. All right. We'll get, I will get call 1-800-STORK and you're out of here, kid. <laughs> Yes, that's amazing. You acknowledged his feelings. Blair, you did exactly what you said you couldn't do. <laughs> you calmly and lovingly acknowledged his feelings. Oh, I know. And, and gave him perspective, oh, which was oh, your yeah. perspective. Doesn't it feel better to scream? Doesn't it feel better to take a minute to let your feelings out? Like you gave him that perspective. That was awesome. True. Yeah. Sometimes I get the perspective. I hear you. Most times. I don't. I think moving forward. So hearing these stories about little kid rules were so awesome. And moving forward, two things I'm going to do, which really helped me from doing the research from this episode. One is ignoring the behavior, the negative behavior that might come from your kids inflexibility when things change and they're not expecting it, but not ignoring the kid, giving some positive engagement to him so that he or she finally gets the lesson that, yes, I will engage with you in a positive way, but you need to, you know, let go of this negative stuff because I'm not going to let you indulge in this, nor will I, right? And then the other thing is to make sure that I really do acknowledge anytime my kid shows the flexibility or is able to recover when things don't go the way they think they should, to really acknowledge that and to praise that because that's that positive reinforcement that they're also looking for, of course. Claire Lerner says, building on small successes can result in big changes over time. I think what I'm going to do in the future is write down all these rules. And then when I have grandchildren, 
I'm going to put them on like a poster board and put them up in my kid's house. And I'm going to be like, grandkids, these are the rules that you need to follow in this house. And they're like, but we can't read. And you're like, well, you better learn. <laughs> I'm like, well, from now on, your pants are bad guys. <laughs> but don't tell your parents. <laughs> oh, I see. You're going to put your kids rules on the piece of paper. Yes. Yes. And I thought you were going to put the rules we were talking about that we're going to do to help them deal with flexibility. But you're not. You're going to no. put the pants are bad guys. Yeah. No dying. No crying. If you're Elsa, you better not sing that Anna song. And they'll be like, better not do it. They're going to be like, who's Anna and Elsa? And you're like, I'm old. Into the unknown is mine. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's a good song, though. Let's be real. That's a good song. Hey, by the way, in part one, I referenced that my last name is Lloyd. And I sung this thing, Lloyd, all null and void. And it wasn't from Better Off Dead. It was from another John Cusack film called Say Anything. I am sure that the listeners who love Say Anything were in part one were like, Molly, that's not Better Off Dead. That's Say Anything, you numbskull. But I had to look it up. It is so dumb. But of course. Or they were like, these women are old. Old locks alert. But hey, say anything. That's a classic. It's a good one. Thank you guys so much for being here and listening to all the rules that our kids have come up with that we must follow or perish. (laughs) This is Toddler Purgatory. We'll see you next time. Listen, like, and subscribe. (laughs) Blair, getting ready for this five-year-old birthday party has taken away my ability to speak. Always a pleasure having you here at Toddler Purgatory. Take it easy. Real truth alert. Pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were. But the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.